0: Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 8-31-2022, and we're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have this evening. We thank you for life, health, and strength, and the provisions that we have uh, been given so that we can survive in this world. We thank you for grace and uh, the calling that we have, the responsibility that is on our shoulders as we walk in this world. So, Father, we pray also for uh, those who are sick among us. In particular, we're speaking of Mindy. We're also praying for uh, those who are still grieving uh, for the loss of loved ones. Uh, we, we can uphold the service that will be going on in. Um, I believe September 17th, in a couple of weeks. So it is our prayer that you continue to comfort the hearts of those who are grieving, and not only grieving, but celebrating the life of Leonora Sneed. Also, Father, as we open our uh, Bibles this evening, asking you to give us wisdom as we look at examine the scriptures that are before us this evening. All of this we ask in Christ's name, amen. All right, so,
1: amen.
0: you know our general study is in Romans 11 uh, on Wednesdays. We are looking at verse 18, although we are finishing 18, we didn't quite finish it. And then hopefully we'll move into 19 and 20. So we got a, that's a lot, of, a big bite to chew on. But we can, whether we finish it or not is not important. But that is where we are. And I just want to um, continue to promote the website, which is wordistruth.com. Uh, there, I know there are some, uh, Dwight t- told me he did update. SoundCloud, so if you have opportunity and you want to poke in there and see what's going on, please do. A lot of resources there. Wordistruth.com is our church website. Um, but, so we have before us the text of Romans chapter 11, and you should have some notes. We're going to get right into it, and but we will... Do our best to leave some time toward the end of our service for some Q and A. So, um, believe we should have opportunity for Q and A. I mean, I'm look, I'm looking at the clock, and things are moving pretty nicely.
1: I got back connection. I'm going
0: to try back. Oh, okay. All right. So, we are. <clears throat> let's let's get into it then. Uh, sounds like Bill. Having some difficulty, but uh, so here, here we are in our notes, and I'm looking at Wednesday, 8:31, um, and this is verse 18. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. If you do, consider this: you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So it is done now. God put Israel on pause and is now working through the church, which is his right arm in the world. We may not realize how prestigious our role as ambassadors is today, but Israel does. Even though Israel is not fulfilling their role properly, they coveted being in that role. fact, that the eternal God revealed himself to them and through their culture was undeniable. Some believers have not been able to follow God in his eternal purpose and have not kept pace with God's direction in the church, even though, quote, God testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. That's Hebrews 2 4. While it is important for Israel to see God's direction, it is equally important for former Gentiles to see the new way designed especially for the church. So that's where we are. I'd like to, uh, we'll, we're going to skip forward to the phrase in this that we are uh that we left off with last time, and that would have been point number three. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, and we'll just jump right in. A, there are more more things to consider, especially when arrogance creeps in. So, so I guess I, I know we've taken a short break, and um, it's been a couple weeks since we really have been in the context but just to to talk about it i guess maybe i do need a little recap so 18 was do not consider yourself to be superior to the other branches and we we discovered that god put israel on pause because um, they were very disobedient in fact they have crucified their messiah but this timing also coincided with God calling forward the church. Now, the moment he calls the church, really, it stops the prophecy clock. Israel is paused. And now, what God is doing is calling out those many sons the glory, using uh, God the Holy Spirit, who is on the ground, and there are all sorts of dynamics. We are learning quite a bit about what's going on uh, in the church on Sunday where we're dealing uh, with the, the the prayer, the priestly prayer of Christ in John chapter 17. So we're learning about the dynamics of the church age, what the uniqueness of it is, the purpose, so there's a lot, lot there. But in our Roman study, Israel is now paused. They are at a place where God is not seeing them as a nation. In fact, uh, he has committed part of their responsibility to the church. So we should recognize that the church, even though we are assuming some of their responsibility, which is to be God's visible representatives in the world, the church, as we say, is not a nation unto God like Israel was. That's a very major difference. We are here, pilgrims and strangers in the world. This is not our home. We are not of the world. However, we're here for a specific purpose and that is uh, those that twofold purpose, right? It is God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and right that well the, the saved part is one part and come to the knowledge of the truth is the second part. So we have this responsibility in the world and um and God's responsibility is to call out call out those many sons into glory. So that's what we've been dealing with and the, and the context has been uh Paul going back and forth about the Gentiles and how Israel ought to understand what's going on to, what's happening because they reject the fact that the church is God's primary operating entity it is no longer Israel and so but Israel has a problem with that uh, they don't really have a leg to stand on in having a problem with the sovereignty of God and choosing the church because not only did they have they had a pattern of rejection of the very salvation that they were to go out and preach but there is a stubbornness and uncircumcised in hearts and ears. So it says in Acts 7.51, uh, just as your forefathers did, so do you. He, in other words, this is not something that was um, happened to the last generation who rejected Christ. It was generational, where Israel had adopted a system of works for salvation. The, keeping the Mosaic Law, they thought, would justify them before God. But that was wrong. That was wrong thinking. It is by grace, as we know. And that's not going to change. God, and and that's one good thought to understand, that salvation is the same in every age, in every dispensation there is. Salvation is the same. It is not, oh, for one way for the Jews, and then when God is dealing with the church, it's another way. It's the same gospel throughout all dispensations. Uh, and, and I know some dispensationalists have uh, erred in this understanding, and they have tried to divide up salvation you know by dispensation. Oh, and this dispensation, this is what it was. And then in this dispensation, that's what salvation was. And now we're in this the age of grace and this, that's incorrect thinking. Salvation is absolutely the same. God's standards of acceptance. For fallen man do not change from dispensation to dispensation. So we, we just by way of some introduction, we, we are getting into the narrative of, of these phrases. And we're at this point, number three, where he says, uh, consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So I just wanted to make sure everybody's on the same page. A, there is... There are more things to consider, especially when arrogance creeps in. So uh, he's dealing with the attitude of the church. Right? Now that we're in this position, how should we manage it? Should, should we do the same thing Israel did, <laughs> become arrogant, rejecting, uh, you know, thinking that we're somebody special and, and all that? So that's sort of how Paul is dealing with this. Let's, let's let it develop, okay? So the first thought is Israel was punished severely for their disobedience and their attitude of preference and entitlement. Uh, That's how Israel handled it. They thought, okay, we're special, we got the law. Those Gentiles, those people who don't have the law, well, we shouldn't consort with them. We shouldn't have anything to do with Gentiles because um, they're beneath us and they are uncircumcised and on and on they had all kinds of things they don't know the law and they just saw themselves as superior their noses were high in the air as they walked around and in a position of arrogance well that did not fulfill the, the plan of god because remember they were supposed to be going out preaching grace how salvation was free all you had to do is believe in the messiah who was going to pay for all the sins in the world who would just like abraham believed in the lord and it was credited credited to him as righteousness they were supposed to believe in the lord and, and be righteous and then this was the very gospel that they were supposed to preach to the nations they failed miserably but you know It's not over, as we already know. But we can talk about their failures without disparaging them because we know that they will succeed. But God wants us to know what their failures are so that we don't repeat them and that we don't become arrogant as they did. Well, I think the ship has already sailed. (laughs) I think the church is repeating a lot of problems that Israel also had, and they are being uh, disciplined even now and don't think the church can't be disciplined because they are not fulfilling their role and have developed an attitude of arrogance don't think it can't happen for the church so that's my first point was Israel was punished severely for their dis- for their disobedience don't right we saw their disobedience and we saw. The results, many times, God had to take them out as a nation, another nation. He would allow another nation to come in and conquer his nation, the nation he called into existence. They were so bad, God had to do that. And that's where Israel stands even now. So um, it was because of their attitude of arrogance. Point two, their heart condition of, quote, stiff-necked people your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. Now here, uh, for Paul to say this, actually, is not Paul, this is Stephen. He was, just before he was stoned, he made these comments. And for him to say this to people who were circumcised, remember, this circumcision for the Jew was a badge of honor. In Acts chapter 15, uh, that was one of the things they objected to. They said, well, if uh, we're going to adopt Gentiles into our body, if that's what you're looking for, then first of all, they got to be circumcised. And then, after they're circumcised, they must keep the Mosaic law. They, they were going to put all these restrictions on uh, Gentile believers because, for them, they were rejecting the fact that the church, the new dispensation had dawned. And they were saying, well, if we're going to accept in other words, if you're going to, if you, people are going to convert to Judaism, these are the things that they would need to do in order to convert. Uh, and they were laying them out and putting, putting people under the law and so forth. So that's how they saw it. Because why would they say that? Because they were rejecting the fact that God called the church to this special calling. They did not want to accept that. They refused to accept that. So, Paul, not Paul, but Stephen says, you uncircumcised in hearts and ears. It's sti- so you might be physically circumcised, right? But you don't hear God. Your you're hearing is not uh, listening to the spirit of truth. And he says, you do always resist the spirit. It did not help them see. So their heart condition of stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised, did not help them to see themselves as ministers. How could, how could these, this people that he's talking about be ministers? Now Stephen, on the other hand, was witnessing the gospel to them. He was telling them the gospel. And here you see the reaction. Of these Jewish believers uh, unbelievers let's just say (laughs) they were not believers they were unbelievers but but notice their reaction to the gospel was violent and they killed they stoned Stephen to death uh, not far after he made these comments so uh, just imagine this is you know this is just what Christ said in John chapter 16 he says, watch out, there will be people who will persecute you, and they will even kill you and think that they are performing a service to God. That's what they thought. They thought, well, this guy's committing blasphemy, he's, he's blaspheming against the Mosaic law, We're, by killing him, we are doing God's service. That's how they saw it, and yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened. They killed Stephen as a result of his stance for the gospel, for believing in Christ, for trusting in Christ. Point number three, God doesn't need us. We need God. So, you know, this is a flaw, a a fatal flaw that the Jews had. They felt like, well, you need us, God. Uh, We are here and God, you must work through us somehow they thought that God needed them when it really was the opposite. We need God, evidenced by the fact that God continued to minister to the hearts of Gentiles, despite israel's stubbornness. so everybody God and you know that came to salvation that the Holy Spirit brought to the place of of salvation God saved in spite of Israel's failures so God doesn't limit salvation based on uh, man's failures so if you're walking down the street and somebody asks you hey can you please tell me what the gospel is if somebody were to ask you that and they were sincere and they said, please can you tell me what the gospel is and you said you know I'm pr- pretty busy right now I'm getting ready to go into the store I don't have time so uh, And you don't tell that person what the gospel is. Are you responsible for that person's salvation? Suppose they're lost and you failed in your responsibility to give that person the gospel. Well, God is not going to hold you accountable because you didn't speak the words of truth or because you maybe told them information that was incorrect or, or any of that god the holy spirit has always witnessed to the hearts of people wherever they are in the world it is not a matter of he needs us to go out and help help him save people his including us in the ministry of reconciliation or, or as ambassadors is a blessing for us god is saying i'm going to allow you In on this tremendous responsibility uh, where whereas we are saving people by grace and I'm gonna I'm gonna partner with you and uh, allow you to share in this ministry and the blessings of this ministry so we don't God he doesn't need us we need God let's just keep that in mind he didn't need Israel he, Israel, needed God. They, it was their dependence on God. So God continued to save people. All the people that were to be saved were saved in the Old Testament. It's not because Israel failed, that God was limited in saving people. So remember, the, the phrase that we're talking about is, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Now, of course, he is dealing with Israel, uh, you know my thoughts but here in the context he's dealing with Gentile thinking telling them not to get on their high horse don't repeat the mistakes Israel made because now you're in this position don't do that so that's why he's saying don't you support the root the root supports you just getting the attitude out um, point four Gentiles need to know their assumption of this temporary role will eventually be back in Israel's camp. <clears throat> Romans 11:15. So just to look at Romans 11:15, I'm already there. It says, "For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead?" In other words, God is Israel's is going to be back in play. God called them as a nation to be a witness to other nations. And, you know, as we reviewed all this, we went to Revelation and we saw how the reemergence of Israel would eventually happen after the church is removed from the world. And so, Israel again will be that nation 12,000 from this tribe, 12,000 from that tribe. All this is in Revelation 7. And we saw how they would again become a nation before God. So, this point is to say that we know that this role that we have as ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation is temporary. Right? Israel is going to, listen, they're, they're, gonna, they're taking a pause, but when they resume, they're going to resume with the role. God, <coughs> when they do resume, God is not going to say, if you need to know the gospel, go see my church. Cause why, why won't he be able to say that? Because the church will be raptured, taken out of the world. But he says, if you want to know the gospel, Israel has the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. Right? This is We find this in Matthew 24, everlasting gospel to preach to all nations as a witness and then shall the end come. So we know that Israel will close out the dispensation that they started and, um, and would end. The dispensation of Israel includes the receiving of their Messiah. Right now, it is on pause, where God is just bringing out those many sons into glory. Once Israel resumes, uh, it will be the tribulation. It will be right there, and the seven-year period, the last week of Daniel's 70th week, will be executed. And that is called the, the greatest tribulation that would ever happen in the world. And Israel will be a nation again. And they will continue the job uh, that they were called to do. So we should know that, right? Don't don't get the high don't, don't get high and mighty. You know, that's the wrong attitude. Arrogance is always the wrong attitude, anyhow. Right? Don't, don't think of yourself in terms of arrogance. Point number five. To note, this responsibility, this blessing belongs to Israel. So when God originally came up with, you know, Israel will be a blessing. Through through you, Abraham, all the nations in the world will be blessed. And he originally designed this calling for Israel. Imagine that. But we in the church are picking up where Israel has left off. In other words, we are the visible people of God. However, we're not a nation. We're in every nation. What a difference, right? God is doing that. And church age believers are in every nation. And they, wherever they are, they are called to give the gospel. There is no pilgrimage that we need to any particular place in the world. God is not calling all believers everywhere to meet in Jerusalem once a year for the pilgrimage. uh, Or any place. or, Or America for that matter god's not saying if you're a believer come to america that's ridiculous right I, i'm ridiculous for even say that i probably should leave that alone but the point is god has called us temporarily that's what, what i'm trying to say this calling is not does not belong to the church we are not of this world israel is and God called them as a nation, and they will continue as a nation uh, when God brings them back into existence. And their success will be God's success. So when we succeed, God succeeds as well. Right? That's how, if we're in partnership with Him to bring many sons into glory, or, or to what you know to save some, that is God's wisdom in all of this, right? how how he manages this. So we don't support the root, but the root supports us. So we, we should know what our position is and not be high-minded as Israel was. Point B, you do not support the root. We are not saving or replacing Israel. This is God's plan working itself out, just as he saw it before time began. So the fact that we are representatives, right? If somebody needs the gospel today or once or seeking the gospel, where would they find it? They would go to the church. <clears throat> the church is where uh, God is he is in a company of believers and it is our role to go out to give the gospel to whoever needs it. And this is part of what I say is when you give the gospel to whoever needs it, even people who are saying they are saved. They're saying they're Christians, but they're talking about works. They need the gospel too. We got to give the gospel to whoever needs it. And to, to be saying that your salvation depends on works, your morality, you know, you're keeping yourself clean from sins and all that, right? That's the same thing Israel did. And what did Israel need? They needed somebody to come and tell them what the gospel was even though they were supposed to be the ones giving it. Same thing here in the church. If, if we hear uh, people in the church and they don't have the gospel correct, if they're, the gospel is by grace, it is through faith. It is not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. And if they're not preaching the gospel, then they need the gospel. We need to be the ones to, to tell them what the gospel of grace is all about. So that's a responsibility and listen this is not something where we are replacing Israel as I said this is how it all is working itself out as God saw it from eternity past this is the wisdom that God destined for our glory before time began we ought to see our role in this point C. But the root supports you. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. Well, we have this role because of God's desire for Israel and to save those lost in the world and to extend the, the blessing to us, right? This is, this is God's desire for Israel. He wanted to bless them. He wanted to call a people who could be uh, his model people in the world and he equipped them he blessed them I meaning he gave them everything they needed to perform the role that he called them for he, you know his the blessing meant that Israel was responsible to God and through them God would use, he would use them to save people in the world that was his desire that was God's desire so the root supports us right we need God because no one can be saved unless uh, God saves them. But God has called us, and we could share in this blessing. That's 1 Corinthians 9:17 and 18. "We could share, just like Israel is blessed. We can also share in this blessing. I just want to read a couple of verses from here. Paul says in 9:17, "If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward." If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. So notice that. Paul sees his preaching the gospel. He says, if I do it voluntarily, I'll get a reward because that's I'm motivated to do it because I'll, you know God's going to reward me. But if not voluntary, in other words, I am compelled to preach, as he says in Romans 1. He says, I'm, I'm, that's the trust God gave me. I'm just discharging the trust committed to me. So Paul is saying that his attitude in this is important, right? He, he, wants, he wants to preach. He wants to be on the same page as God. He's not preaching because he's, he has to do it. He pre, he's preaching because he wants to do it. Verse 18, what is my reward? What then is my reward? Just this that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, so as not to boast, to make and so not to make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. Well, he had this thing going on with uh, the Corinthians because they accused him of trying to steal their money. They, they, thought, they thought that, uh, well, I guess it was a rumor uh, that was circulated so that, people were saying that paul was trying to take advantage of them for their money and that was absolutely not the case and paul was saying hey i have a right to receive from you guys but you know what i will not take a dime from you because of in fact that's what he says in verse 15 if you want to just know the context of all of this he says but i have not used any of these rights and i am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die, listen to him, I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. Right? So he says, I'm compelled. I, I, that's why I'm preaching. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. So, so notice, even though people weren't receiving it, it didn't affect Paul's uh, temperament in preaching the gospel. So, the, listen, it's a blessing to be able to preach the gospel, to be in this position. And I would hope we, as the church, understand that we have this blessing. And and it's not just a blessing, oh, we, we're so happy that we got this, hallelujah, you know, this type, it's not that type of thing. We are supposed to understand our responsibility in this and know that lost people are at stake here. God is using us, partnering with us, and listen to the gravity of this responsibility. People can be saved through us, the church. That is certainly possible. God has equipped us with the information of the gospel, the the knowledge, and the salvation that we all share, and we are responsible to go tell others to help them be reconciled to God. That, that's tremendous when you think about that. Uh, we have that responsibility here in the world. So last point in verse 18. Our Lord came from Israel and he was from the tribe of Judah. So <clears throat> when we look at that, I want to read <laughs> Revelation 5.5. 5, just, just make sure we, we stay with the thought here. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And why did I bring this verse? It's because Christ is part of the root, right? We don't support the root, but the root supports us. And who's the root? The root is from the patriarchs, what God has established, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob he established a nation. It was his idea to do this. It wasn't Israel's idea. So God sovereignly chose those individuals to be the patriarchs of Israel. And not only that, through them came the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the this is this is God supporting us. We are not supporting God. This is the foundation. We are accepting the calling that Israel had. We should know that. That's, uh, this comes from Israel. And I, I, as I said, for us, it's temporary. But next, the next thought is we'll be giving it back to Israel and we'll be taken up, caught up in the air to meet the Lord. And so we will always be with the Lord. That'll be our destiny. Israel's destiny is on this earth. It is to perform as God's model nation. People can look at them in many ways and see the gospel. Just by looking at Israel and how they function, uh, they'll be able to see the gospel. So that's the end of verse 18. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, We still have a little time. We're going to stop probably about 9.15 if we can so that we can try to give some time for Q&A if hopefully so if you have questions if you have thoughts please have them at the top of your mind so we can get to those uh so um 8:31:22 so we're headed into um Romans 11:19 and 20 you will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in granted but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. So let's look at this uh, interesting verse. Uh, I just have to say, um, a lot of people have looked at these verses, or even commentaries, and have uh, fashioned them in such a way, or let's just put it this way, interpreted them in such a way as to say that, this whole thing is about salvation and individual salvation. And watch out because you could lose your salvation. I mean, you, you, God my branches were broken off. In other words, saved people were um, were lost. You could be lost too. By the way, you you could be broken off. Well, we already understood that the branches that were broken off were broken off because of unbelief. It wasn't that they had believed and then they fell and then God. They stopped believing or something. They rejected their Messiah. They were not believers in Christ. In fact, they had a generation, right? a generational rejection of Christ, and we already covered that. So they were a covenant people, yes. They had responsibility before God, but they failed in that responsibility. And uh, as a result, God did discipline them severely. So that's that's where we want to basically say in introduction is that some people look at these verses as salvation. This is not about individual salvation at all. It is about the responsibility that the church has taken where Israel is now on pause. So now the church has that responsibility in the world and Israel does not. So that's what it meant to be broken off. So anyway, the greatest in your notes, the greatest deterrent to our spiritual growth is our own ideas of where we think we should be going. Those who walk by faith are living by the word of God, trusting and depending on it <clears throat> for their direction. The spirit of truth is leading the way to tell us what the word means and only then can can we follow by faith. Israel lost their way and trusted their own way so much that God's way didn't make sense to them anymore. The life of faith is trusting God for our direction and not to, quote, lean to our own understanding. That's Proverbs 3, 5. And so it was with Israel. They turn from the way of grace to their own way. Quote, fools find no pleasure in understanding. But delight in airing their own opinions. Unquote. That's Proverbs eighteen two. Far be I want to definitely tell you that's a quote because far be it for me to call people fools, even if I thought that I certainly wouldn't want to say it verbally like that. It would sound a bit arrogant. But but there it is in Proverbs eighteen two. So I just want to make a, another thought here as we dig into this uh, the phrases here, is that. If your highest understanding is salvation, then everything is going to have to fall into that uh, construct. Right? If you think every, the whole word of God is about saved and un, you know, people are lost and saved, then you're going to see everything that happens in the Bible according to that uh, frame of mind. But there's a, mo- a lot more to the Bible than just saved or lost. There's a lot of things going on. There's calling, right? If you don't understand Israel's calling, then maybe you don't understand the church's calling, and then you see everything is one big thing, and that's just salvation, you know, that we might just be saved, This is how people view that. And then all the scriptures must funnel into that way of thinking. Well, that's not true. God has a plan for us. He has a calling for us. We could succeed at salvation, but fail in our calling. That is very possible for those in the church. It was, it was possible for those in Israel as well. They could succeed in their salvation. They could believe in the Messiah to come, but they could fail in their um, calling. Or, or in the case of Israel, they could fail in their salvation, and also, by <laughs> certainly, they would fail in their calling. And that's what most of them did. They failed in their salvation, and they failed in their calling. So we just don't want to do uh, what Israel did. We don't want to repeat their mistakes. We 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 want to succeed in our salvation, which means accept salvation by grace, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved, and receive, accept the calling that we have received, and be able to execute that as well while we're here in the world. So let's dig into this. Um, So you will say then, uh, now it's obvious we won't finish this, but that's okay, we're going to go as far as we can, and then we'll stop. You will say then, the first thought is, be careful when drawing conclusions this applies to all of us because remember there's a straw man being built here but the straw man in context is gentile thinking gentiles who now have accepted the calling and how do they think about things that's what we're dealing with you will say then he's giving some thoughts and obviously it's going to be wrong thinking as we will if you read the context, you're going to see this is not the way we should be thinking. But he's saying, well a lot of people might say this. So we're going to consider this and think about this phrase. It applies to all of us and we must open be open to examining our conclusions against the Word of God. So when we have thoughts and we draw conclusions, it's fine to draw conclusions. Sometimes the word forces us to draw conclusions. But if we make conclusions, we got to make sure that those conclusions are uh, consistent with what the Word of God teaches. We have to compare our conclusions against what the Word of God says. Right? The Word of God is good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Word of God will do that. So we can't just draw conclusions and. Regardless of what the Word of God teaches. You've got to allow God to tell us what he thinks. And he's going to tell us in the Word. So this is an important one. If you're wrong about something, trust me, there's going to be something in the Word that will point it out. And every time you read that verse, it's going to be like a pin in your side. It will not reconcile to the way you're thinking. It will stand against you. So now you could ignore that if you want. But it's, it's there. It's, it is written right, in the Word. And I can give you an example. Uh, years ago, I was, uh, was Seventh-day Adventist, and I was rejecting salvation by grace. And the, every time I would read certain scriptures, like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, or Titus 3, 5, or John 3, 16 you know, through 18, I would, it would rebuke me. It would say that no, salvation's by grace. Or Galatians would say, you know, you don't have to keep the law and all. That. Oh my God. Every time I would read those verses, I would be convicted. I, the Word was trying to tell me something, and that something was not in my theology. So, yeah, I could go on believing and coming to the conclusions that I wanted to come to, but the problem was every time I would go across those verses, the Word would speak to me. It would rebuke me. It would try to correct me. It would try to instruct me. So we got to allow that to happen. We, we can't hold our opinion so tightly that not even the word of God can shake our, uh, us loose from our grip, our own grip. Point B, God gives us a conclusion that we may come to but beware of arrogance, right? Now, he 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 does allow us to come to conclusions. The word will point us to those conclusions that we are supposed to make. Like, for instance, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who do good. There is none who seek after God. All have turned away. All, now, so what are we... So, is God wanting us to conclude something? Absolutely. That you cannot be righteous. There is nobody in the human race that is... And we know that because of the sin nature that we have, none is righteous, not even one. So when you have that thought, that none is righteous, you're, you have to test that by the word of God. You're going to see other places in the word of God that teaches that. But don't be arrogant about conclusions you make. Test them. And this says, prove all things and hold fast. To that which is good. In other words, the Word of God does teach something. And you are com- convinced that is teaching it. And the Holy Spirit has confirmed that. Hold on to that. Right? That is what the Word of God is teaching. Yes, God wants us to come to conclusions. Beware of arrogance, though. Point C. Arrogance is never part of God's plan, no matter what we conclude. In other words, Israel... I'm just using Israel's failures as an example. They concluded that they were superior to Gentiles, that it was about their keeping the law. And obviously those who were not keeping the law were not righteous like they were. So they were separate. They kept themselves separate. They developed an attitude of arrogance toward those who were not keeping the law, who were not doing what they were doing as far as they thought uh, was their righteousness and acceptance before God. So, just remember, arrogance, whatever it is, if there is any arrogance, is never a part of God's plan. Arrogance is a sin, and it's a part of human, uh, the sin nature. Right? This, is, this is where arrogance comes from, us making an issue of ourselves. Well, God, even when you talk about salvation, it is looking away from yourself. Right? God is saying, you got to look away from yourself to Christ. Arrogance looks at self and puffs our own accomplishments Supposed accomplishments; it allows us to make those bigger than what they are. Faith looks away from self to God. So, so arrogance is never. So, so this first phrase you will say. Then, well, be careful what you say. Be careful what do you conclude. Point number two. Branches. This is what you will say. Branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Right? This is, this is what some people might conclude. All right. So, so the first thought is, I can see how someone might say this in arrogance, especially since the context reveals that motive of arrogance. Now why do I say that? That means we've got to go back and look at the context. Rome, uh, Romans 11:18, two verses and verse 20. I'm going to read both of them. 18 says, "Do not consider yourself to be superior." to the other branches. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to Gentiles, right? And so don't consider that you are superior. If you do, right? And this is an attitude of arrogance. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. So notice, it would be wrong thinking. And then verse 20, granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief, And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant but tremble. This is our very verse that we're in. So uh yes, certainly it's an attitude of arrogance that we're dealing with here. Right? Why would somebody think this? Because of arrogance, right? People Israel out, church is in, hey, we're somebody. Israel you're not. Remember this whole calling belongs to israel as i made the point previously it belongs to them don't get arrogant don't get cocky about this point b seems like a logical conclusion right so so this is why you got people who think well the whole thing's about salvation if israel was put here to give us what god's way is to to be saved now the church is here and the sad thing is People who believe, a lot of people who believe this have a salvation by works gospel, just like Israel did. And they are perpetuating that same thought in the world today to run around telling people about their sins instead of instead of telling them about the gospel. Right? God he's done all the work necessary. Pay for the sins of the world and the standard of righteousness is given by grace, it is not by you earning it through keeping the law so but people can make that they could see that they can say okay obviously Israel is out yes and they said well yeah the church is in so so therefore um you know the thought is to figure out a reason for God putting Israel on pause and the myst- and the mystery of the church so in their minds they're trying to work it out how it all works. I could, so I could see where people could draw that conclusion. They said, well, we're better. We're better than Israel because God took them out and put us in. Right? It, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. That's the thought. Right? Point C. Branches were broken off. God did discipline Israel severely. They were broken off. And why was it? Because of unbelief. So, verse 20 and 21, they were broken off. It says they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. Verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So, notice if you get arrogant, if you refuse your calling, if you don't believe in the gospel anymore, but you now have some gospel of morality or gospel that your local church has designed that says if you if you follow these works then we'll say you're saved but you got to follow what the bible says it's by grace it is not of works I and mean, there's no way you can improve on that there's no picking oh well certain works will will fly and certain works works won't fly you none of them fly with god there's no works necessary for salvation israel failed to Drastically, tremendously in that area. They took uh, this to the point where when Christ came, they didn't even recognize who he was. And they crucified their Messiah. Yeah. So um, they were disciplined severely. And yes, it was unbelief is the reason why they were broken off. And we went all through Romans 9. We went through Romans 10. And especially at the end of 10, God said, he said it clearly. What Some of the Israelites didn't believe. They didn't believe the message. Simply put, that was a problem. So we covered that in detail. Now we're in 11, and we're seeing straight up, it's unbelief. Yeah, that's why uh, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised in hearts and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit unbelief that's where israel failed unbelief can cause somebody to not to miss out on eternal life unbelief is well won't you can't even get into the christian way of life in order to do works unless you are saved so unbelief is horrible this is the sin that you cannot recover from unbelief point d so that I could be grafted in, right? So branches were broken off so that I can be grafted in. This speaks of Gentiles admiring the position Israel had that they want to be Israel. Now, you know, Israel has a heritage. And Gentiles, when it's a, gen- a lot of Gentiles, we're talking about the church here. Instead of them understanding their role, In all of this. What God has called us to. That he has called Jews and Gentiles. To be in one body. So that he would create in that one body. One new man. Out of the two. This is in Ephesians 2. But because. You know people have these attitudes. we We were just talking about. And actually Paul is talking about. They developed these attitudes of arrogance, and but what Gentiles have done is they admired Israel, right? Israel's heritage, the, the, the pride of Israel, the fact that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, you can throw these names around, and people sit up in their chair and they listen, they say, oh yes, God worked in Abraham, Abraham was great. And so was Isaac and Jacob, right? And God created this nation and this, the whole story of how he freed Israel from the bondage of slavery from Egypt and how he delivered them through the desert and so forth. There's a heritage. God worked miraculously through that nation. Gentiles are impressed with that. So it, it, it speaks this thought you know, they were broken off so I could be grafted in. Well, if Israel didn't do that job the way they were supposed to do it, I can do it. God, did. you you grafted me in, you put me in this position, now I'm going to do the job. But what, Israel, what the church does in doing that is they think that they are replacing Israel. They somehow suppose that. That is all the, God has called them to, is so that they could go out and give the gospel. Again, that goes back to the the thinking that it's all about only the gospel, where there are other things going on in the mind of God and in the Bible as well. And that's what we're pointing out. They, yeah, they want to be Israel. And we find that today in many churches I've been in. With all that God is telling us about the church and the the glory that is ours and what God has done and how he had planned for this and who is the church and and, and we're united, we're this new creation. All of the things that are so unique about us is not important to many. What's important is that they learn about Israel. You go to these churches and this is all they're focused on is somewhere in the Old Testament. Open your Bibles up to Ezekiel, to Daniel, to Deuteronomy, to Numbers, to Exodus, to Genesis, to this, constantly. Now, now not to say we shouldn't go there or we shouldn't read those verses at all, but it is, that those verses are not our focus. We have to understand who we are in Christ. Now, without us in an understanding of what God has made of us, we can Understand the whole plan of God, because this is this is the reason for why God called the universe into existence and called angels and called uh, Gentiles and called the nation of Israel. All of it hinges on the fact that he is now calling out these many sons into glory. So God has a very specific purpose. We are not to get distracted and take our eyes off of what God's eternal purpose is. And somehow fix them on Israel, which we don't even have a proper understanding of Israel if we think about them in the wrong way. So that's where I'm saying we got to be careful. This is key. So, so they were broken off, so that I could be grafted in. So now I can be Israel. This is the thought. And a lot of people, if if they could, they would. Dubbed themselves as an Israelite. I know all about Israel. I've studied all the kings and I know all the different things that uh, you know in the law. You ask me any question about the law, I will tell you because I've studied it. That that's not the church. We are not under the law. That is not our way of life. Got it? So by you focusing on that, you you're, you're not focusing on what is the way of life for the believer in this age. So point E, so they were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Grafted in speaks, of, this is point E, grafted in speaks of the church temporarily playing the role Israel refused to play. Just think about it. So grafted in does not mean, well, I'm now saved. No, you, you for you to have the responsibility uh like Paul mentioned which is for me to preach the gospel is you know I'm you know it's a blessing to me for you to have that responsibility you have to already be saved God is not saying oh I'm you have a you know you're going to be saved and that means you're grafted in no S- saved is not the point here grafted in refers to people who are already saved and taking the responsibility that Israel uh who is on pause is now not performing. That's what it means by grafting you in. It does not mean it has nothing to do with salvation. You're not grafted into salvation. You're grafted into the role that Israel had when God called that nation into existence to be right, the blessing to all other nations in the world, right to disseminate the gospel all nations in the world will be blessed through you, Abraham. Why through you, Abraham? Because through you, Christ will come. The seed will come. And he is the source of blessing for the world. So so we're going to stop at point E because we have many more thoughts here. But we can try to conclude with those next week. But uh, I also want to leave time and opportunity for some Q&A. So, again, point E, grafted in speaks of the church temporarily playing the role Israel refused to play. That we have that. Remember, we're playing this role, but we're not the nation Israel. The church has a different purpose. We just are taking on this role that Israel has abandoned and what a blessing it is. We're going to talk more about that next week, how we're not just ambassadors uh, telling people about the gospel. We need to understand the full breadth of our the work that we're doing. And we're going to see that next week, hopefully in a different way than you've seen it in the past. So let's look at our responsibility And we'll deal with that next week. But we're going to pause at this juncture to see if there are any questions, any thoughts that you may have stored up. I know we were off a week or so, but um, I'm going to say the floor is open. Okay. So think
1: about. The statements he just made out as far as he took the two and made one new man. Yes. When you think about um a Gentile who had already believed, um because there were Gentiles who had believed or went switched over to to, to Judaism prior to Pentecost, correct? Yes.
0: Um go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, so what was what was that person considered as prior to pentecost so you're talking about a jew no i'm talking about a gentile a gentile okay what was he a
1: gentile <laughs> who was
0: conver- converted yes to judaism correct and then they lived until the church age Okay, so yeah, it would be it would be the same result, right? God did respect that a person who was a Gentile could convert to Judaism. God did respect that. So if you look at, in fact, if you look in Acts chapter 2, you see um, uh, Acts chapter 2 was where it says, um, I'm just going to get down to it. Um, okay, so here it is. Where is it? Actually, it's... Am I reading over it? Okay, so they were... Acts 2, 4, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues. The Spirit enabled them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, together became a bewilderment. I guess what I'm looking for... And how does each one hear, hear them in our native language? And he goes through all of them. Ah, okay, verse 11. I, thought, I was thinking, I know I've read this before. Why am I not seeing it? Verse 11. So it says, these were all the people who were there at Pentecost. right? They, they came for the pilgrimage of Pentecost. They came to Jerusalem from all these different places. And verse 11 says there were both Jews and converts to judaism cretans arabs we hear them declaring the wonders of god in our own languages these were all so so there were who was there at pentecost jews and converts to judaism but it didn't matter because once the church age began which was pentecost and they believed then they were baptized in the Spirit and they were no longer Jews or Gentiles or converts to Judaism. They were now in the church. They were one new man. So it wouldn't have mattered. But God did respect that you could convert to Judaism. Um, so hence Acts 15. So, so what, would that, what, would that, what would that convert be, though? Would it still be a Gentile? Would be considered as a Jew? Well, he's considered as a convert to Judaism, so he would be Jew. <laughs> am I missing your point? So he would be Jew. Yeah. Am I missing your point, though? No, that's what I, that's what I was
1: trying to figure out. What what would we call a gentile who converted over to Ju- to um, Judaism? And of course, I mean, once the Pentecost, I mean, anyone that believes on Christ it didn't matter whether he was
0: Jew or gentile. But this third. Entity uh, that you're referring to, uh, a convert to Judaism. Yeah, it has
1: a, It sounds like a, a, whole, a whole new classification.
0: Yeah, it's not though. It's not because. Well, go ahead, um, Dwight. Yeah, I'm.
1: I'm understanding. Yeah, I'm understanding it as um, if they were believers after Pentecost, then they were Christians. they no longer Jew or Gentile, nor is there a Gentile converted to Judaism. Um, before Pentecost, if they believed in Christ, um, their Judaism was just a calling, um, and it wasn't. It wasn't a. Uh, you know, I, I guess there were still Jews or Gentiles, but there were Gentiles that converted to Judaism, and they would be Jews. Yes, and, but it's it's interesting that uh, it's interesting that Acts still pointed out as a third group, as Bill is pointing out. So yeah, he but, doesn't. He doesn't just say Jews. He says Jews and those who have converted.
0: Yeah, so I guess my point that I'm making is God honored the fact that uh, you could convert to Judaism. You didn't have to, right? But you could. It was an option that, and some people uh, did convert to Judaism, and both the, they were there on Pentecost just to just to make that point. And so, if they converted to Judaism, they would be Jews. And um, they would be under the Mosaic Law. So this, I was going to say, this is why, when in Acts chapter 15, um, the church was underway, but there was controversy in the church. Controversy was that the Jews did not accept the fact that the church is a legitimate standing is in legitimate standing before God. In other words, as an entity before God. They said, no, you can't walk away from the Mosaic law. So in their minds, if you want them Gentiles to be in our body, what do they need to do? They need to convert to Judaism. They were not accepting that we were, you know, the church was not under the law. and all. They were rejecting the church age. So in their minds, if you're going to come into our body, then you've got to do what we do. And so, so that's the thought. You could be a convert to Judaism, but it wouldn't matter. So another point to make, get this. um, Those who were Jews in this era, right at this time, had two callings. They were called to be Jews, and they were also called to be in the church. So they had two callings. Imagine that. That's interesting Way to think about it. We have one calling because we were Gentiles, but the fact that they were Jews, they were called from eternity past. Right? God foreknew them; He predestined them to be Jews, and then, um, then they were also called in the church. They were, they were a lot of the people here heard the, the sermon that pre- Peter preached, and they believed, so they became part of the church age which is a new calling which Ephesians 1-4 God chose them and so forth I'll pause Uh, this is your time don't let me go on other thoughts out there hopefully that answers your question yes
1: your, your last thought there obviously the one that had what you're saying had two callings God knew where he was gonna his final resting place would be, is with the church. Yes. So the first calling is becomes null and void, because the church entity is far far exceeds.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the calling. Absolutely. Yeah. So like the apostle Paul, right? Did yeah. he did he understand? He understood okay. he was. He was called as a Jew. And Philippians 3 is a good example of it. He says, I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was this. I was the Pharisee. I was. He understood his calling in Israel. Well, maybe not fully because he didn't believe in Christ, to Christ to come, right? But but he, he was a Jew. He was clearly uh, called to be a Jew. And then um, he understood his calling for the church. He says, he says, I consider all of it loss for the sake of Christ. Right? He's like, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. He understood that what he was trying to do was build up a righteousness that God would accept him. That's why I had all this law keeping and all this maintenance and of the Mosaic law as a Pharisee, he saw that as his salvation, his justification before God. So... Uh, that's why Christ made the comment, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you should know, no one's going to be saved. So uh, he was playing on the idea that in people's minds, the Pharisees, they were here, this level, but if you raise your hand way up above your head, that's where the Pharisees were. And the average person could not keep the law like the Pharisees were doing. So Christ made that comment. But yeah, um, so Paul recognized his two callings, and he understood which one was prominent or dominant. He he understood all of that, absolutely. And we are to understand that, too. Whether we're Gentiles, we're not to allow our Gentile heritage, whatever it is, to somehow uh, supersede what God has called us to in Christ. Literally, I mean... Imagine you lived your whole life recognizing your calling. Well, We don't have a calling before God, but we shouldn't allow our Gentile heritage, whatever it is, to interfere with our calling in Christ. Don't let it get in the way. Paul didn't let his get in the way. We shouldn't either. I'll pause. Other thoughts out there?
1: I just wonder what I noticed uh, blatantly in in the explanation now is that the extreme opposite of Abraham as uh, an example of somebody who was saved and somebody who, um, you know, trusted in Christ, and it was by grace, not by work, Mm -hmm. and yet the opposite of that was Paul as a Jew. He understood everything there was about the calling, and he did it. And yet he rejected Christ, even persecuted Christ yes.
0: until he was saved in the church. Here. Absolutely, yeah. But now Paul did have, he's, he's letting you know that, hey, I got the genes of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm, I'm the tribe of Benjamin and this and that, right? He, he knew what he, that he was special, but he didn't understand why. And so because he didn't understand why he was special, that turned into arrogance for him. Not just him, but many other Jews turned that into arrogance. They, they realized that God showed up in their culture. They realized that, that, that they were blessed. Right? But that turned into arrogance. Instead of them using those assets to serve, right? that's what they were under the responsibility now of God, to serve others. They took the blessing and uh, for God, but it turned into arrogance. Yeah. But good point, Dwight. Other thoughts? Follow-ups out there? All right. Sounds like we are quiet, so it must be time for us to close. All right, so we're going to, we're going to, bring it in let's have a word of prayer we will close time is uh it is time so let's let's bow our heads thank you father Uh, thank you as we are reviewing the record in romans and we see the irony of what happens in the church and how we are to have the proper attitude that you have blessed us with this responsibility and how we are to understand that responsibility. Father, we we pray that you will help us to continue to be humble toward uh, those who do not know the gospel, that we will not be arrogant and lord it over them as though uh, they are less than or something. Continue, Father, to keep us humble, help us, teach us through your Spirit that the importance of the role that we have the position of humility not only to those who are lost but to the world everybody other fellow believers as well we thank you for your your word your provision for your understanding and enlightenment that you have given us so father we continue to pray for the church we pray for those who are sick among us those who are in need of healing You know the hearts. You know what's on our hearts, Father. We pray for those who who are definitely, we're thinking of as their, and and especially Fred in in particular, Father, who is getting ready to go through some procedures. And we pray for the calm and the peace that our Lord gives, even in trouble and tumultuous times that are in this world. We pray that he will have peace as he goes through uh, what is ahead of him. And Father, all of, all of us, as we don't know what our destiny is on this earth or where how we will eventually be absent from the body and present with you, so we pray for uh, a calm mind and a focus that allows us to think about our responsibilities here what we should be doing why we're here in the first place so we pray all of these things in christ for his in his name amen
1: amen